This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. You have an investing style. TD Ameritrade has a mobile app to match it. Check out TD Ameritrade Mobile and Think or Swim Mobile to find the one that's right for you. Member SIPC. It's Tuesday, November 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio, the highly caffeinated Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Roku needs some cash. Kohl's needs a Christmas miracle, and one of our listeners, I think, probably needs some new footwear. We will get to all of that, but we're going to start with Home Depot. Third quarter for Home Depot, this was literally the profits beat by a penny, but revenue was lower than expected. Same store sales was, I think, a full percentage point lower than expected. And you couple that with the fact that shares of Home Depot were at an all time high. Not a huge surprise that the stock is down about five percent this morning. Yeah, it seems like uh, the message today was that the investments that they've been making into technology and, and initiatives to improve efficiency are taking longer to produce the benefits than was previously promised, which was to get about a hundred basis points, one uh, percent of, of improved profitability off of this investment. So far, they've. Uh, realized about half of that. Still think they're going to realize uh, all of it uh, over time, you know, through next year rather than all in this year. Uh, additionally, as you pointed out, same store sales is a company that is used to five, five and a half, sometimes six percent um, same store sales uh, over the last half decade. So being more in the three percent range, not what the market wanted to hear. And again, you've you look at where the stock was, even with the drop today, the stock's up 30% over the past year. This is a business that's performing very well. So, this, given the track record of Home Depot, I think if you're a shareholder, you're probably not too worried about this. This seems more like a speed bump kind of quarter. Yeah, well, they're a company that has produced phenomenal results by doing a lot of little things right, and they really haven't grown. Uh, the store count. So they have increased profitability quite a bit over the last uh, decade, and they really have done that without growing stores. So they're they're reliant on that same store sales growth to supply most of the top line growth. Um, they're really not opening up new stores and getting more people to come in, charging them a little bit more. Uh, and then improving on the margins. And as, as I mentioned, the same store sales are a little bit less than we've come to expect, and the margins are not improving uh, at the rate that they indicated they expected to do so. Um, and additionally, a couple of other problems. Let's talk about the other problems because we were talking this morning. You had listened to the conference call. And you mentioned a retail metric with which I am was unfamiliar, um, and that was causing some problems for them, at least in the latest quarter. Yes, shrinkage. Shrinkage. Shrink. 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 Yeah. Shrinkage. Shrink. Yeah. So, so, I, so I, you mentioned that, like, yeah, they talked on the call about one of their problems this quarter was shrink. Both 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 terms are acceptable, right? And I was like, what what is that? Uh, that is uh, the amount that a store loses to disappearing merchandise that it does not charge money for, uh, and it's also about, known as employee theft. Uh, not only employee theft uh, until regular theft. Usually shoplifting. Historically, shoplifting has been the greatest 
chunk of this. And you can get uh, um, estimates that across the retail industry, stores lose about two percent of of their goods through sort of five different avenues. One, shoplifting. Two, employee theft. Three is, uh, I, I think, uh, sort of uh, bad paperwork. Uh, and and four is, I think, the things failed to be delivered that were supposed to be delivered. And then there's like the mystery bucket of like everything that they can't explain. Or just, I can imagine for certainly, certainly I've experienced this in grocery stores, and I imagine it happens in places like Home Depot and Lowe's as well, where you hear a crash and something has broken. So, you know, merchandise that is broken before it has been purchased, that probably contributes to shrink as well. Yeah. So shrink is. I think they they lost about thirty one basis points, about you know a third of a percent over expectations um, in the most recent quarter, uh, and it's been trending in the wrong direction. And they have. Uh, they were asked on the conference call since they brought it up. You know that this was the major contributor to the miss on the margins for the quarter. Uh, what was what's going on with that? You know, is that employee or other employee? And uh, management ascribed it to. Uh, it, they didn't really point the finger at any individual or uh, group, but they they referred to it as a large chunk of it being malicious, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rather than mistaken shoplifting or employee theft. I guess it would have been great. The benign ca- categories. <laughs> oh, been... oh, this person's hungry, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It would have been great if they had just named one employee. <laughs> Dave. Yeah, we're not sure, but we're pretty sure it's Bryce. <laughs> yeah, he he works in Atlanta, and uh... and and so there was a yes, the categorization uh, you know wasn't nailed down, and the ways in which the company responded. Responding to it were not um, set forth, but they they said they've got initiatives. Well, yeah, and and I mean, just I think that's perfectly reasonable that they would not necessarily outline here's the ways in which we are going to cut down on employee theft. Uh, Why yeah. make that public? No, no, and and they didn't specify that it had to be employee. Look, every retail operation. Of of any size, and certainly the size of of Home Depot, knows that's part of the business, um, and uh, so whether it's employees, whether it's shoplifting, uh, whether it's your suppliers not uh, giving you everything that uh, was supposed to be in a shipment, whatever it is, uh, so they've got uh, they've got top men working on it. They should be fine then. That always works out. Yeah. Shares of Kohl's down 18% this morning after third quarter profits and revenue came in lower than expected. Kohl's also cut guidance for the full fiscal year. Boy, they look like they're in trouble. It's amazing to me that Kohl's is still a $7.5 billion company. This is a long, slow, you know, crash. I guess uh, it, it's really so they maintain about the same level of sales they're doing. About 18.8 billion over the last 12 months. Uh, you compare that to you know 15, 16 billion, 2007, 2008. So really, they've opened a few more stores. They've increased their sales online, uh, but the number of people coming into a Kohl's dwindles all the time. And what they have done uh, in response to that is buy back a lot of their shares, increase their dividend, uh, but the 
bottom line is not really improving. Even with the rather significant number of shares that they've bought back over the last decade, uh, they're basically just treading water on the earnings per share. Uh, you know what they've done since since a decade ago. It's pretty remarkable that we just got done talking about Home Depot, which has methodically improved its profitability while not really increasing its store count. And you have Kohl's that is floundering, and you know some of their new locations may work out, but it seems like they need a complete overhaul if they're going to survive. Well, they so they're getting more direct competition from Amazon. Of course, a lot of Home Depot's goods can be acquired from Amazon, but tend to be things that people are more likely to go to, uh, maybe because of the success of, of Home Depot and getting people to think this way. Uh, people go to Home Depot. Uh, Kohl's people go to Kohl's, but they go more to the competition, and whether that's Amazon. Uh, and they've increased Kohl's has increased its internet presence, um, but really that's really just helping them tread water, uh, buying back the shares, increasing their dividend. You know, after today's decline in the share price, it's yielding about five percent, which might be attractive to some portfolio managers that need uh, some dividend, you know, in their in their portfolio. But you don't look at this and say. This is a story that is likely to get better over time. Also, we have a nominee for corporate euphemism of the year because when talking about their pricing strategy, someone on the call for Kohl's said, We leaned into our value equation. Which I'm pretty sure means, yeah, we cut prices. Yeah, we we sent some coupons <laughs> out. We, we it's like you leaned it, into your value equation. Like, yeah. just come on, boy, that sounds like you really thought that one out. <laughs> was it was it more than uh, discounting and coupons? No, no, it was more. Not, not more re- of them not than really. usual. We leaned into those things. Quick shout out to TD Ameritrade. So you've done a ton of research on a trade, but you can't decide if you want to go through with it. TD Ameritrade's trade desk might be the secret to figuring it all out. Just go to tdameritrade.com slash trade desk to see how they can help gut check your trades. That's tdameritrade.com slash trade desk. Remember SIPC. Roku announced a plan to sell up to 1 million shares of stock. Uh, Roku said they plan to use the money to cover operating expenses, capital expenditures, and to throw a really big party in Las Vegas. Okay, not the third one, but certainly the first two. And this, you know, not surprisingly, shares of Roku down on the news. Yeah, they're issuing a million shares or up to a million shares. They're not saying exactly when, but I would think sooner rather than later, given that this is a smart move from a capital allocation standpoint. The stock is up over 400% for the year. Taking advantage of a much more expensive stock. And what is the dilution here? Well, a million shares is less than 1% of the outstanding shares. So they're trading. You know, less than one percent of the equity of the company for 150 some million dollars, and I say that's probably a good trade. Good move. Yeah, yeah. I I think it it gives them whether it's paying down their debt, as they say, there are a whole bunch of things they might use this for. You've added in just partying with it. That wasn't in the press release. Um, Again, if you're Home Depot, why are you announcing 
this is our plan to stop employee theft. If you're Roku, why would you publicly announce, yeah, we're going to throw a really big party? Really good party. Probably the stock goes down more if that's what you say you're doing. Right. right? I mean, that's why you don't put it in the press release. (laughs) That's like 10% down. Yeah. So this is just three, four percent down as of uh, intraday movement so far, and uh, with all the people who are um, cutting the cord, moving you know into additional streaming services, Disney Plus out being you know a, a yet another choice with Apple, uh, people are adopting Roku's platform and will continue to do so, and so I think they've got continued growth ahead of them, and. Uh, this will give them some cash to maybe make some more acquisitions. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Got an email from Travis Smith who writes I just finished a 2,192 mile hike of the Appalachian Trail, and this podcast kept me informed on market happenings despite being in the wilderness and mostly disconnected from the outside world. I'm a member of your stock advisor service and love all the great insights everyone at The Motley Fool consistently offers. Thanks for everything. Uh, thank you, Travis. Thank you for listening, and uh, congratulations. Uh, holy cow! D- did that ever occur to you? Like you hear that when you, it's like, oh, I'm when I graduate from college, I'm going to go on an adventure. I'm going to backpack through Europe. I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. That one particular adventure never crossed my mind uh, in well, any serious way. Yeah. Well, when I was reading uh, A Walk in the Woods uh, by Bill Bryson, great author. Great book. Many, many good books, uh, that being one of them, and uh, a forgettable movie. A movie which apparently was made. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what we can say about the movie. Uh, Yes, lends itself more to literature than than a movie. They probably had to insert some sort of plot uh, into a movie to justify it. Wasn't that like it was Robert Redford and Nick Nolte, and there was like wacky adventures on hiking the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, it was sort of a mismatched buddy thing. Sure. Uh, Probably with a bear at some point. At some point, it's like a bear is going to, I don't know, rampage through the I thought you were going to ask, had it ever occurred to me that somebody might listen to this podcast while doing that? And I I was thinking that, you know, Whereas I wouldn't have thought that, I think that you know the dulcet tones of, of Chris Hill work better for the outdoors than say you know the competition, like a Jim Cramer perhaps a little bit more of a jarring experience listening to him while trying to enjoy a walk through the woods, although you know usable in many other um, media. I think Jim Cramer he doesn't go with the Appalachian Trail the way you do, is my belief. You don't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to process that one. Have uh, people ever referred to your dulcet tones before? Not in relation to the Appalachian Trail. No, no. <laughs> but, but, you know, congrats to Travis, and hopefully he's got some new shoes because picture- I got to. I got to believe you wear out a couple of pair of hiking boots if you're going the entire trail. You're going two thousand miles. I mean, I just when I. Our colleague Matt Copenheffer, who uh, I don't know if you spent time with him at our annual meeting last week. Did not get to, no. Spent a little time with Matt. Matt is someone who is a prolific runner. And because he is highly organized, Matt also tracks his pair of running shoes by how many miles he's run on each one. And once he hits a certain point, and I think that point is like maybe 250, 300 miles, that sort of thing. He ditches them, which is you know, it's like the tread wears out. I'm assuming the hiking boots Travis was rocking were you know more durable than your average pair of running shoes. But, but I'm guessing he. It wouldn't surprise me if he went through a couple pair. 
Not if they were LL beans, right? Right. You just and by the way, Appalachian Trail. You just divert off the path, walk into the original LL Bean in Freeport, Maine. You're like, hi, can you hook me up with some new boots? I got to finish the trail. Yeah, and I get a new pair because you're LL Bean. I'm not, I'm bringing these in. Yeah, you got to give me some new ones. That's pretty much except how they, that works. Except they've gotten rid of that program. Well, no, it's now like a one year thing as opposed to a lifetime. You know, you get the, ditching your bad customers is a smart business move. Yeah, always is. Um, by the way, quick shout out to Jared Lind, who um, is a listener. Um, I mentioned back in October when we were talking about overrated, underrated candy, and Jared had mentioned Twin Bing, which is a cherry flavored nougat wrapped in a chocolate peanut covering that you can get in the Midwest. And I think I'd mentioned on the show like ah, we're we're not anywhere near where this is sold. And he very nicely. Put a few in a box and sent them. So, gonna gonna give those a try after the show today. How far do you think you have to drive from here to get to the Midwest? Uh, I mean, to get to this candy, the Midwest, well, your you... version of the Midwest. Where do you think you hit it, traveling west from here? Indiana, don't you think? Ooh, I don't think you have to go that far. Ohio? Do, do we consider Ohio to be the Midwest? Sure. Okay. Not everybody does. Really? What do they consider it? Uh, not the Midwest. <laughs> the Rust Belt. I don't know. Some some other part. Uh, we're going to get an email wrong. on this one. They're wrong. It's uh, the Midwest. Uh, real quick, since the last time you and I were in this studio, I believe we were here with a third colleague. Um, do you want to provide a sneak preview? Because we do have an apropos of nothing episode of Market Foolery coming probably in the next 10 days. A, a little bit of editing will need to happen to this episode. 10 days of editing? Uh, I mean, <sighs> you, you were... <laughs> if, those, if that's not a preview, I don't know what is. <laughs> That's that's why we'll do the editing because we don't want the listeners to we, suffer through. Historically, there's very little editing. Uh, sometimes there's little editing, and other times there's a little bit more. But th- there'll be some editing to this. But what, is there one thing from the conversation you want to share with the dozens of listeners? Well, as you know, what I found to be the most uh, exciting part of it was. My idea for a future offshoot of Apropos of Nothing, which would treat. Are we going to go into this? I, I don't know. I don't know where you're going. Fictional stories. Oh, yeah. Um, a straight up episode of Market Foolery. Of Market Foolery. It'd have a little bit of branding around it so that people would know that these weren't real stories, but stories ripped from what should be known to everybody movies, which involve um, stock, publicly traded. Companies or uh, stock scandals of some sort or another, and how, if those were real headlines and the facts were in the press that uh, you know by the end of a movie, how would how would Market Fuller recover it? Right. And the example I believe you used was for anyone familiar with ESPN's uh, documentary series Thirty for Thirty. Um, someone, maybe it's College Humor. College Humor. College Humor did sort of these short five to seven minute mini thirty for thirties about uh, treating sports movies as though they were actual news events. So you know, Rocky Four, Rocky Rocky Balboa ends the Cold War, and then they have Max Kellerman being interviewed and other people who are actors, but have actual news people, sports media people talking about these things as though they're real. Yeah, throw up a, a link or something. I'll put that out on the market fuller. And then a shout out to the actual 30 for 30 podcast. And this is the reason why it occurred to me. The 30 for 30 podcast, which is great and uh, sometimes covers 
uh, 30 for 30 uh, movies, uh, but also does some original audio content. Um, what had an episode on the spoofs of itself, and it was a serious treatment of the spoofs. That's very, and, very and meta. Very meta of of itself because you know I, I think they they respect the work that went into this and the direction that the producers who who put them on College Humor and now have got some some bigger gigs, um, and I think in part extend from that. And and so there's a, there's a lot. Is sort of behind looking at spoofs of yourself, and it occurred to me that if there was something that could be easily spoofed, it it would be market foolery. <laughs> and who better to do it? Yeah, that might be. A little you don't want anybody better. else to do it. Um, Beat them to the punch. I say that sounds tiring. That sounds really. That sounds like a lot of navel gazing for me, which I'm not interested in. <laughs> no, no, it's all. But but it would be humor. And look, if you're going to cover the way. Movies which have, on occasion, as part of the movie, had some stock manipulation. There is education to get from treating that as a real story, and what we speculate would be the effect on the stocks from this kind of news getting out. And if there are any recommendations for movies to cover, we've we've got a few. Marketfoolery at fool.com. We're always open to feedback, including lambasting this episode. Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this episode of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.